Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Football Scouting Podcast. Today we have a special guest. We have uh, Mello. We have um, Marshall Miller from the Two Guys and a Girl podcast on our, um, on our show. Mello, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. We've been talking about doing this for a long time, so it's nice to finally sit down and have this conversation. Exactly. So uh, I got to know um, uh, Marshall through um, Matt Miller, of course. Every year I would go down to Mobile, Alabama, and uh, Matt would have his uh, Stick to Football and now uh, Two Guys and a Girl podcast at uh, Draft Pick Sports Bar, which is one of my favorite sports bars uh, in the world, even though I don't even live in Alabama now. It's just <laughs> one of one of my one of my favorites. And um yeah, we've we've had the chance to uh, talk there about football. Uh, it's been kind of nice because uh, when you start, when you only meet like a person like once a year or something, and you're the rest of it is just interacting on Twitter. It's like there's like so much growth that happens each year and so much change, and it's just always great to kind of like uh, see each other, catch a beer, and talk uh, talk about stuff, and dick around in the baseball field in the back. <laughs> Exactly. If I remember right, one of us uh, cranked a home run on the wiffle ball field in the back. Uh, I, who was that? that I, I think ball? that was me, and I I think I hit it <laughs> off Matt. I don't know. I I think Matt's e, uh, wiffle ball ERA is not as high as what he would like it to be. No, it's up there for sure, man. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, just uh, r- real fun stuff. Uh, guy, guys being guys, dudes being dudes. Definitely, if you go down to Mobile, draft picks is draft picks is like the place to be at least at least after Veets. So, yeah, I you uh, know I had I didn't get to Veets this year. Obviously, it was a weird year, and even the year before that, it felt different. Now, I haven't been to Veets in a while, but I I think draft picks is definitely growing on the draft community too. We've been lucky enough to go down there and have a couple events for geez a couple of years now. Uh, so it's definitely my favorite spot in Mobile, for sure. It, it is cool to just hang out with people, catch a beer, dick around, like you said, maybe even play a little wiffle ball. They have cornhole in the back, too. It's it's a good time. So if any Absolutely. of your listeners can ever get to the Senior Bowl, I, I'm sure you've definitely told them before, it, it's a one-of-a-kind event. It, it's so much better than anything that you get in, like, with the Combine and Indy or even, like, Super Bowl week is so corporate. It's cool to just get to Mobile and, have some beers and run into people and talk football. Exactly. And I mean, like we said, this year, uh, this year was different, but like, yeah, I've like walked into Veet and had like, um, and had conversations with like the assistant vice president of a personnel while having yeah. a beer. Like it's, it, uh, sometimes like when it's like kind of like really crowded and loud, it's like, it reminds me of, uh, like a college bar it's like packed oh, but yeah. instead of it being like uh, frat boys and sorority girls and like a college bar it's like these are all people that could hire me and give uh and essentially make my dreams come true so it's like it is a lot it's a lot of fun uh first piece of fatherly advice we're going to give all you listeners or brotherly advice if you're older than me Go down to the Senior Bowl, have fun, network, and get to know some of your uh, friends on Twitter in real life. Oh, I I definitely think so. I think a lot of people are even a little bit scared off because sometimes they don't get that credential. I haven't used my press credential at the Senior Bowl in probably three years because you can go to practice. Practice is open for you to do unless you're trying to catch some interviews and things like that. You really don't – or go to weigh-ins. I haven't been to weigh-ins because people just tweet it out anyway. So really, you can head down to Mobile even if you're not getting that press credential that I think a lot of people want. You just don't really need it. Exactly, and that's what's like so great about how the Senior Bowl sets it up is they set it up so it can be so easy for beginners to just uh, get in and get connected with um, with people and make new friends and make new connections. And so, yeah, that was our first ad read of the day. Follow Jim Nagy <laughs> at the C, um, Jim Nagy underscore SB on Twitter. All right. So, uh, Mello, uh, so how we always start these podcasts is 
we feel I feel it's very important to like get get to know the person and get to know the background. Background is crucial because like when somebody is like say like higher up the food chain in like the draft or the content industry, it's good to know that they weren't always um always up there. It's good to know that there were times when they were in similar positions, like some of the the next generation of kids on draft Twitter who are crop uh, cropping up left and right, or the people in the middle ranges. Like it's always good to know that it started somewhere. So uh, tell me about your childhood. When did you fall in love with football? <laughs> did you play? How did like, how did that happen? Uh, well, obviously my older brother, Matt, him and I do a podcast together and he worked at Bleacher Report for 10 years. Now he's kind of doing his own thing with the Draft Scout. And since I can remember, I, I've had, I've, we have two older brothers as well. So I have three older brothers. And we were talking about it the other day. It was kind of trending on Twitter. It's like, what, what's your first football memory? And I honestly, like, I don't know. Mine's young. So ever since I was born, I can just remember playing football. I think as soon as I could walk, we were playing two on two football in the backyard just because I had to. So football isn't even like something that I fell in love with. It's just something I've grown up with. I didn't have the choice. It was just always around. I played a little bit. I wasn't, wasn't real good. Uh, Never played any college ball or anything like that. But as far as like, when did I fall in love with football? Like I don't even remember (laughs) before I was one, probably I was already holding a football and a basketball and a baseball. I just, I didn't have a choice. Like I said, I had three older brothers and they said, you're going to like football. And I did. That's just the way it worked. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've I've said before on like my uh, on previous episodes, but I was almost kind of like the opposite. Like, yeah, there were some family members who liked football because uh, I'm from Cleveland, and I was four years old when the Browns came back, and then there was just kind of like the Browns right. excitement for like family members who were only casually interested became more interested. Uh, I had I bounced uh, bounced around a lot with different family members growing up, and like some of them like football was like a big part of their life and uh, others were more uh, others were more casual but like Mm -hmm. once I like got out of uh, my aunt and uncle's house like I learned very quickly that the only reason that any um my uncle like watched football was pretty much because of me (laughs) he like pretty much (laughs) once I left it was like yeah I pretty much stopped watching football I don't really have any reason to anymore (laughs) so yeah I go uh it's like no, nobody really knows much about it. I don't really have much to talk to, uh, much of going around. It's just I fell in love with it. I thought the football players looked cool on their helmets. When I got my first copy of Madden, that just cr- cranked it up even more. And then uh, once, because uh, I was a baseball guy first, and uh, once the Cleveland Indians had to, like, uh, once I, like, learned the Cleveland curse of any good player the Indians ever get is just going to get traded right before they hit their peak. And I was like, it's still going, buddy. (laughs) Yeah. Like it's, I was hurt over losing like CC Sabathia and Cliff Lee. And then like 12 years later, now I'm like sad because we were, we lost Francisco Lindor and Carlos Carrasco. Like, how do you get rid of the guy who like beat cancer on our team? And it's like, Oh, it, it's uh, it's it's perpetual pain. I still love the Indians. Uh, I'm gonna gonna probably uh, work there, work as a fan services member, team member in the uh, in the front office or as an usher this year. They're they're still a huge part of my life. But that was when I kind of pivoted to loving football and wanting to know everything about football and all of the strategies and all of the history. And as a uh, somebody who like really liked reading and liked books and didn't really have the means of making friends with people outside of school that's what I did I read books and I read history books and I read books about sports yeah that's that's a really cool way to pick up the game and learn it yeah for me I was lucky enough that we're from a super small town and we didn't cut people from the football team so everybody made the team so I was lucky enough to be one of those people we were absolutely terrible uh, I don't think we ever had a winning season when I was there, but it, it's still fun to play the game and to just carry on that bond with other players and other people, uh, even as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. Like high school football is like normally like there's like some kind of magic to it. But when you play in a small town, like my team won nine games in five years, like 
we never accomplish right. anything but just being around being being under the lights and just seeing everything it's it's still fun but it's not as magical as what it's not uh, what they make it sound like in like movies and stuff it's a little exaggerated yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. so at what point did your love of football turn into a from a hobby until something that you're like, this is going to be where I'm going to get my money. This is what I want to spend as much time in my life doing. Yeah, and I was a bit of a late bloomer to that. I think a lot of people grow up and you're like, you want to be in this industry. Uh, and I didn't. I always kind of thought it was far-fetched that it would never happen for me. So I, I was a teacher for five years. I just recently got out of that. Uh, but growing up, Matt and I always loved football. We loved the NFL draft. It didn't feel like anybody else around us really talked about the NFL draft. Like Mel Kuyper was the only guy doing it. So I couldn't go to school and talk to my buddies about the draft. It was I could talk to Matt, my old brother, and that was it. So we would do like our own little mock drafts, and we would do like our own little like scouting reports and stuff like that as kids. I, I was probably eight years old. He was 12, and we were doing this. And obviously that's something that Matt really pursued, and it took off, and he's found a lot of success in it. And then I remember one summer – I guess it would have been like 2017 or maybe 2016. We went on a vacation and we went to Florida together and we drove. It was about a 20 hour drive. And on the way home, he was asking me about some of the players coming up in the draft. And I was just ripping off like what I thought of guys like it was Saquon Barkley and some other guys that were still underclassmen and and not really known that well at the time. And he was like, man, you should just come on the podcast tomorrow and talk about it. And at the time, it was Connor and Matt doing stick to football. And I was like, I don't I don't really know if that's for me. I don't I don't know if I would do well there. Uh, but he talked me into it. Like He had to talk me into doing it. And then finally I did. And then it became a thing. And stick to football at the time was only one episode a week. And then they wanted Bleacher Report wanted it to go to two episodes a week. And the time frame didn't really work out for Connor. So I started doing it only on Fridays. It's like, okay, I'll do it Thursday nights. That's an opening day for me. I can record. We'll talk about it. And since then, it's just kind of grown into something. And, of course, Matt and I no longer work on Bleacher Report. Now we have our Two Guys and a Girl podcast. It's really cool to to be able to go into work every day knowing that I get to talk about sports every day. We host a radio show from 2 to 4 locally here in Joplin, Missouri. That's really cool that expands and we get to talk about basketball or baseball or anything else that comes to our mind. But that's how I got started. It's a very unconventional route. That's for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's incredible. Like just having kind of like, not only are you work, uh, like working in sports, you're working with sports with somebody that you naturally have chemistry with. Cause I mean, uh, with, with my podcast, I'm the host of every show and every host is um, in every episode I have a different guest and every right. episode my goal is to kind of like build chemistry and build rapper and get um, get them comfortable talking. You don't need yeah. to worry about chemistry because you've had chemistry with this person since you were in diapers yeah. like it's <laughs> exactly and i know like i catch a lot of heat sometimes because people are like oh you guys never you never disagree we usually do but you, we have so many discussions it's not like the only time i talk to matt is when we're on the podcast together you know hey like, we work in the same office together we see each other like 10 hours out of the day and we're talking we're communicating afterwards too so if a player gets brought up I, we're usually like workshopping it and we're having discussions about it to where we kind of come to a middle ground on a player, even if it's a player that I don't like and he likes. Usually by the end of the draft process, we've come to a similar middle ground. I know a lot of people are mentioning like Kyle Pitts. That's a player that we really disagree on this year, but even I'm a little low on him, but I still like the player. But it's just part of the process, too. And it's cool to have that rapport. Like you said, I don't have to worry about going into work and working with somebody I don't like anymore. That That's not a problem at all. Yeah, that's, that that's amazing. As somebody who has, uh, who's had to work a whole bunch of different like side, uh, side jobs in addition to all of my football work. It's like, I do mm-hmm. my absolute best and really pride myself in trying to get, get along with everybody from such varying backgrounds and places in their life. But it's just, there's just sometimes certain people just, they bug you. Oh, for sure. I think it was like two and a half years ago, maybe three years ago, we were doing stick to football and I was actually doing it for free. Uh, I was not getting paid for it at all, which 
I'm very thankful for the opportunity that I had to just get started. Uh, I think a lot of people do it as like an unpaid internship. Uh, but then I, I said, like, I want to turn this into money. It's a lot of fun. I like doing it, but I want to get paid for it. And eventually I was able to do that. And at the time I was teaching, I was coaching football and then doing the podcast as well. And then uh, Matt and I started doing the radio show. So at one point I was doing four different things. Now I've narrowed it down to doing the two that I like the most, which is radio and podcast. So it, it took a while to get there. And there were definitely times when I didn't think I would, or I didn't think that this is something that could be a career or even a job for me, but it's definitely turned into that. It just, it took a lot of patience. Exactly. And it's like, there's so much sports content and so much sports media, and you just really need like so many things to work right for it to even like start being a paid thing. I mean, uh, what is it? Like my team, it's we've finally dropped uh, finally dropped our draft guide about a month ago. We're gonna have an up, update coming soon. We put in so many hours on this. Like for most of us, we have like part time jobs or in college. Right. But yeah, dropping twenty, making twenty to forty scouting reports for four hundred to five hundred words is not particularly easy, and we're we're selling it right now and. We haven't even sold 200 copies yet. It's like there's just so there's so much stuff out there that, and especially with us in our first year, it's kind of like really hard to get that money. So once you're able to like find something where it can either be a part time job and like that's just that's just such a uh, such a blessing. Yeah, even getting your foot in the door is tough to do, Uh, Mm -hmm. and once you get there, you (laughs) you can't relax. You got to keep. You know, going balls to the wall on that thing, or you're going to get replaced by somebody else who's willing to. Exactly. So, um, scout. Um, who were your? Uh, who would you say were your uh, major scouting influences? I have to say that, like, uh, one of mine was actually Matt, because uh, I would always get the Lindy Sports Guides every year, and usually the first mm-hmm. place I would t- uh, turn would be the look ahead to next year and looking at the draft grades. I think that was like between like 09 to 13 back when I was uh, in high school. I think, were you, uh, was he working with the sports exchange then? Was that where he was working? I couldn't even tell you, <laughs> honestly. He, I mean, he's another great story of how he got it going. He, I mean, he started his own thing and was doing it for free. And then eventually uh, started at Bleacher Report. And I don't even know if he was getting paid from Bleacher Report when he started there. And, oh, yeah, and then, he was. Yeah, it turned into yeah, a huge thing. So I obviously, for me too, Matt, has been a huge influence over the year. But I, I think that definitely the godfather himself, Mel Kuyper, is what inspired all of us to get into this. And like I said earlier, uh, there, didn't, you, there was no one to talk NFL draft except for Mel Kuyper for a really long time. And then, you know, even... Fairly recently, other guys started popping up that are doing it. But, I mean, I'm old enough that Mel's the OG. He was the one that was like, okay, there are actually guys talking about this. Because for me, I loved college football. And then it was like, oh, well, where's this guy going to go? I just watched him for four years in college football. What's going to happen with him at the pro level? And that's how I got into the draft. And Mel Kuyper was the only one. He was the only one talking about it. And then, uh, you know, a magazine would come out here and there. And it's like, okay, I'll grab that. And even at the time, it felt like they weren't very accurate. I, I wish I would have saved all of the ones that I've had over the years because, I mean, they would have dated back to, like, probably the Peyton Manning draft. Of just, I would love to read those reports of what they had to say about guys like Ryan Leaf. But definitely Mel Kuyper has been the biggest influence. It, but there are a lot of great guys now. Obviously, Matt, uh, you know, you look at Todd McShay. I think he does a great job. Daryl, Daniel Jeremiah. I think people like to think of, like, those guys is all rivals. Like, oh, I hate looking at his stuff. That's not the case. It's not like everybody's competing. There's enough you know, places at the table for everyone. It's nice to be able to bounce ideas back and forth with each other. Like I said, me and Matt have discussions about players frequently. And that happens too. You know, you'll know, you run into a guy and you'll have conversations with him. And it's, it's nice to get a different perspective and point of view from other guys even talking to yourself and you know if we dive into like players that we like you might have seen something that i didn't see and that changes my perspective but going back to your original question influences it's definitely mel kuyper 
Yeah, that that would make sense. Uh, so I didn't really uh, have ESPN growing up, um, but being from Cleveland, like draft talk was all year round. Like we're going four and twelve again this year in September. So uh, here are the quarterbacks uh, for next year's draft. Watch for the Sam Bradford kid. And right. So for me, it was definitely like talk radio, and I also did kind of have like this feeling of. Um, like, there's not really any people, like, looking at this besides me. And I'm just a little, like, high schooler making a top 100 based off of stuff I got from Walter Football. Actually, Walter Football <laughs> would probably be considered one of my biggest scouting influences ever. I know everybody yeah. likes to rag on him, but if you want a good entry-level scout, entry level scouting, entry-level information, like, he's he's got that locked down. Like I've just yeah I think he used to be one of the like top Google searches too if you just put in like NFL draft yeah or, like, he still is. yeah he yeah. was definitely gonna pop up and so I just spent a lot of time there a lot of time reading his stuff and then I think my turning point came like after college because uh, I worked in sports information and I've always thought I was going to go the SID route but then I realized. Uh, after I graduated college with four years of experience helping out in an, in an athletic department, the maximum amount. First thing I did when I stepped in college was like, who's, uh, who's the SIDs? Who can I, uh, who can I help? Four years of experience. And I didn't get like a single email back about any internships or anything. And I'm like, I could not have done anymore. I did my absolute best. But then I went and go went to work for Sports Info Solutions, and um, they had uh, the head head honcho over there, Matt Manicharian. He worked as a scout for the Saints and the Browns, and um, he kind of showed me like gave me a first look at how an NFL team would scout, and then that just kind of like flipped the flipped the switch for me into wanting to get back into scouting like I was doing when I was a kid. I also had a great opportunity learning from Phil Savage. I went down to a senior bowl scout yeah. school and um, learned a lot from there. And like, that's kind of what flipped the switch, so to speak. And um, then I just started getting r real serious. I, um, I was a lot more obsessed with scouting methods than scouting per se. Because I realized very, very quickly that writing a scouting report from scratch, if you do not have a skeleton, is just really, really hard. I wanted to organize my thoughts in a way that I can get my ideas out and get what I'm seeing on tape out mm -hmm. to the public as easy as possible. And that's kind of how we got um, our format. I kind of like took what I learned from Matt in Sports Info Solutions, and I just took out all the stuff that I didn't like, that I thought was outdated, thought was unnecessarily confusing. Instead of looking at 15 different traits, I only wanted to look at like eight, co like combining traits and splitting traits up to uh, get to where, where I was. And that was what really, uh, really interests me. And that's something that like, when we talk about like the draft and scouting, it's like, I want to talk about draft methods. I want to get down to that next uh, that next level of discussion. And that's kind of where the, um, I feel is one of my strengths in the draft community and uh, is something that I think makes our product uh, or our draft guide really unique. Yeah, that's good. And I think that a lot of people maybe don't even realize that there are so many levels to scouting and being involved with the draft. I mean, it starts as like a basic level of just remembering what a guy did in college football and then being like, oh, I liked that. I think he can play in the NFL. And then deep and in, down into, you know, it's an onion, peeling back the layers of all the things that go into it. We were talking about injuries, too, before we started recording, too, and how much that actually plays a role into it and the psychology of everything. Uh, you can have a player that's perfect. It looks great on tape. He's healthy. Everything stacks up. And then he gets to the NFL and he gets that paycheck in his hands. He doesn't want to play anymore. Hey, we just saw a guy, Isaiah Wilson, he was drafted last year, first round overall. He got traded for a pick swap seventh rounder. Hey, it's just, it's crazy how in depth this is. And everybody's going to be wrong. Hey, no one is always right. I don't care how good you are, how long you've been doing it, or how new you are. Everybody's going to have their misses. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like that's one of the big one of the things that people don't realize is with a lot of like draft busts, they weren't necessarily wrongly scouted. Sometimes there was just like a little a life event that just completely derailed them. Have you uh did you hear or one of the things I heard was Trent Richardson, one of the main reason he uh he busted was he was really really stressed with his family. That yep. once he once he got his check all of his brothers and sisters and cousins uh, needed help because he didn't really come from the best area and he tried helping them. And then all of his brothers and brothers started getting like an entourage and they just were all just kind of like t- stealing from him and like live, living at his mm-hmm. place and taking his watches and just driving him crazy. And it's like to be a football player, you need to be focused. You need to be able to walk into that film room and take everything in that you see when you're listening to coaches, being able to um, take every single piece of advice. And if your life is stressful off the field, like that just kind of adds like a whole nother level. Like imagine go, I mean, we've all had that, um, had those days where we go into work and we're having a bad day and we don't perform as well as we should. Now take that feeling and apply it onto a football field, onto practice, yeah. onto yeah. yeah. Millions of people looking at you and tweeting at you and all the stuff they have to deal with is uh, nothing like a common workplace at all. And that's and that's uh, and that's something that we as amateur scouts really have no access to. It's like maybe you or Matt have like contacts or friends inside the NFL that may leak something to you. But the, you'll never know if it's like 100 percent true because exactly. you don't know, you don't know these people. And there's just a whole nother aspect of what will impact a player's performance that is just a complete unknown to you. Yeah, it's very political behind the scenes. You'll get some information from an agent or somebody that's in the league, and you almost have to like vet that whole process and be like, do I believe it, or are they just wanting me to put this out in a mock draft? Are they actually interested in this player or this position, or do they just want that information out there so they can dupe another team? You know, you see it all the time. Uh, even the Kansas City Chiefs, who I'm a fan of, there was some buzz that they might be interested in a quarterback, but they were telling everybody in 2017 they wanted to trade up for a linebacker. They wanted to get in front of the Saints, obviously, because they wanted Patrick Mahomes. But they were telling everyone, like, all these linebackers that they loved. And even when they traded up, it's like, oh, okay, what linebacker are they trading up for? Nope, it's a quarterback. So it was a bit of a surprise. Obviously, it worked out for them. But there's just there's a lot of lies that go on behind the scenes, too. So, yeah, I mean, you get stuff all the time that you really have to – even guys that you trust. Uh, I remember talking to a player's agent, and it was like, is this deal going to come through? Is your guy about to sign a deal? And he's like, no, where where'd you get that? That's that's not anything that's going on on our part. I kid you not, like six hours later, he signed a contract. And it's like, man, you said specifically no, that it wasn't going to happen. And I get that you can't always be honest in those situations, but you get a guy that you think you can trust blatantly just says no, or a guy that you think you can trust gives you wrong information. It's it's a whole process that when you do start getting that. It, I honestly, it's almost better to just ignore it a lot of the times. Mm-hmm. Seen, you know, even in free agency, you'll get buzz or rumors that oh, this guy's going to sign here. And it's not. It's a team trying to drive up the price or it's an agent trying to drive up the price for their player. And it's just it's a lot of misinformation. Yeah. What, uh, what is it? I was having a really good uh, having a conversation with um, one of our younger scouts named uh, named Tim. And um, so everyone's been talking about Chris Sims and how he's like um, in love with Kellen Mond. And uh, uh-huh. I joke I jokingly. Well, maybe not fully jokingly mentioned what are the odds that Mon's agent is paying sims and then um i was then like explaining to uh uh cause then tim was following like with the joke about hey if you pay me enough i will be ride or die for a prospect and then um, everything I, has a price tag right <laughs> And then I kind of explained to him that this hap- that this kind of stuff happens a lot, but some of it isn't even like nefarious. Some of it is like ne- is just like networking. Like if you have a coach that you're friends with and you want to like talk to more so you can get more information out of him, and he's like, 
Taquan uh, Graham. Love this kid. Absolute ace in the weight room. Absolute uh, ace in the classroom. He's way too low on your boards. You gotta get you gotta get him up. And you're like, I really respect you, and I really like you, and I really value your word. And you're going to do it, even if you don't like do the do the work. And it's like we kind of assume that some of the stuff is like nefarious, but honestly, it's just like the social the network and how you tr- how you trust people and people talk talking people's up. Yeah, that coach yep. or the agent has absolutely every reason selfishly to want to cr- um uh, pump up the stock in a certain player. And yeah. as you like get older and make more contacts, like you find some that are very valuable and people that you uh, that you respect, and you trust you trust their opinions, even if you will sacrifice, even if and you'll say some things that hey maybe you didn't fully research just because you trust that guy's opinion so much. Oh yeah, it's like I said, it's very political. It's very like used car salesman too. Like, are you actually being honest with me? Uh, it, it's tough to sift through the trash. Sometimes. Absolutely. And that's why um, that's why another reason I think uh, our work is uh, should be very valuable is when you have a whole bunch of 20 something year olds writing a draft guide. We are not sullied by any agents. At least I hope (laughs) if you are, you're fired. (laughs) Yeah, somebody's working some backdoor deals on you, I bet. Oh, yeah. Uh, who, uh, who knows what uh, shenanigans we're getting up to, uh, getting up to. It's probably you, Paul. You're probably raking in all kinds of money not telling anyone. Mm. <laughs> Only from the government. <laughs> uh, all right. Secret safe with me. Awesome. Uh, so um, where how would you uh, where did your like scouting like scale come from? I'm guessing it came from Matt. But uh, like where did you um how did you guys like get the scale that you are currently using for a uh, draft evaluation? Did you get it from the NFL? Did you make it up, uh, make it up on your own? Uh, wh- where do you get your scales? You know, actually I don't use draft scales very much as like a number grade. Uh, that's just something I, Matt does. I don't know where he got his from, or I don't know even what the influence was on his. For me, it's just so hard uh, and to keep up with so many players, it's not something that I've toyed with very much. Round grades, uh, just where I think a you know a player should be drafted versus where he will be drafted, is about the only thing that I do. So my as far as scales, I'm boring. I don't have any great insight there. All right, yeah, that's 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 uh, fair enough. Uh, one thing that I've noticed just from uh, like listening to your content, I listened to an episode of Two Guys and a Girl before um, before the show to kind of like kind of get a feel for where you are, is that like your show isn't like the most in depth about college prospects. Like, you, uh, it's not like the most detail detailed. It's not that much so much in the weeds. But what you guys do is you do a really good job of like incorporating pers- uh, your personality and your own character into your programming. Does that just happen naturally for you guys, or like I just feel that you guys are just so like natural and good at it? Like, how how did that like come out? Was was it planned, or does it just kind of happen? I think it just kind of happens, but it, I mean, it was definitely talked about it, but I don't know if planned would be the word I would use, but just having a podcast where you're just being yourself, but also talking about the content that people want to hear. Uh, I, I, you can turn on the TV and look at the just dry personalities that are out there, or you can turn on different podcasts and find people that are just really dry and they might have really good information, but they're hard to listen to. So I think even with our podcast and the way that we deliver our content, it's like, hey, just, you know, if we were a couple people hanging out in a bar talking football, like in in Mobile, that's what we want it to sound like. Like you're just hanging out with your friends. Uh, like we both said, uh, when we got into the draft, there weren't a whole lot of people that we could talk to about it. Now everything's on Twitter. So just to be that group of people that could hang out and have a conversation, being open to other people's ideas. It's something that I think is becoming more and more important. It seems like everybody's trying to dunk on one another in the draft community of like, oh, you liked this player. How's it working out? Well, you can find those with literally every single scout and every single NFL team. So we just wanted to be ourselves. And I, I don't ever want to come across as like being too corporate or too laid back or anything. I'm just going to be me and deliver the content that I think people want to hear. And with the draft content, you're right. We don't go too deep. Because it's such a wide audience. 
Uh, you know, you don't want to talk over people's heads of like using the scouting terms and going real in depth because some people are just looking for that. Hey, here's a player that I kind of like. Would he be a fit for my team? You, you know, you have kids like ourselves that were interested at a pretty young age. We probably have 14, 15 year olds listening to our podcast. We also probably have 30 year olds that want that in-depth piece. Well, the 30 year olds can probably go read it and get that comprehension. The 14, 15-year-old or, you know, newly 20-year-old, whatever the case may be, the introductory level, I, I think that's where you build your, your fan base. And then as they grow, your content kind of grows with it. It's like the Taylor Swift theory. Yeah, exa- exactly. Like, I was just, like, thinking about, like, who are the most popular content creators just in the world in general? Like, PewDiePie isn't the biggest YouTuber because he's, like, the best gamer. It's because he understands his audience and gr- uh, grew with them. Like, exactly. a lot of the tw- top Twitch streamers aren't there because they're the pr- uh, the best at video games or the prettiest. They just understand it. And it's just, like, as somebody who, as a lot of people who are starting podcasts, um, I think a lot of people are just trying to uh, find it, and uh, I think that you guys kind of found it. Yeah. You know, with uh, my strategy uh, individually is I have found um, I'm of the belief that um, people don't really like to be talked down uh, talked down to. Uh, yeah, I don't 100%. really. One hundred percent. I really like to get as in depth as um, as we want, and I hope that like when I like really get in the weeds about a certain player that even if somebody isn't understand um, understanding it, that maybe in the future they'll be encouraged to maybe research uh, more things. Um, I talk was talking with our um, a DB expert that we had named BD who played um, defensive back in college, and I w- we were trying we uh, we were talking to him because he has his own tape YouTube show about. Um, how do you like describe like a cover seven to somebody who only knows like what a cover one, a cover two and a cover three are. And um, he said that it was like really difficult for him, but he realized that if you have a good communication style and you can speak clearly and um, uh, like he used the term, like he would say split um split safeties instead of like a too hot, um, a too high look because you uh, he felt that people would be able to visualize what split safeties would mean two safeties split across the field, as opposed to say like two high looks or things like things of that nature. Oh yeah. And I felt that that was really kind of important because football has just so much jargon, but everybody wants to know the jargon. Everybody wants to speak the language. So I know yeah. at least for me with having a bit of a small, smaller podcast, a more kind of controlled audience that I really kind of, um, I uh, like kind of getting into the weeds a little bit more, and I think that uh, I at least hope that there's a that there's a place for me. Yeah, there's definitely a market for it. I, like I said, there are a ton of people out there that want those super in-depth features and content, and this is a great place to find it. Yeah, I, and like you said with your story, I remember I was coaching seventh grade football, and we were trying to put in uh, cover one, cover two, and cover three. And I just kind of – you assume people know what you're talking about. And he, after you know a couple reps of not being able to get it, I was like, do you guys know what cover three is? Have you ever like, seen it drawn up? And no one, like none of these seventh-grade kids had any idea what I was talking about. I was like, all right, here's your homework for tonight. Go home and play Madden. Don't <laughs> simulate over the defense. Just run cover three. Look at how it's drawn up. That's your coverage area. Find your player. Play with him. There's your responsibility do that uh, so they, there's definitely there's wide ranges uh, there are a lot of adults who don't know what cover three is or maybe they learned it from men it's just there's so many different people that are looking for draft content you don't ever know who you're gonna get yeah it's uh that's that's kind of the whole uh, f- uh, fun thing now what do you feel was your uh like long-term goal in uh, sport media like for me and for like a lot of people on my team we want to work in the nfl at some point we want to be like the real we want to be like the real deal so we've kind of set our scouting methods and our scouting processes to be as close as what we can find the nfl is is doing uh is being like a scout something you actually hope of doing or do you just want to continue to dominate in the media world 
Uh, that's a great question. I think a lot of people have aspirations of being in the NFL and like building their own team. And I am definitely the oddball out. I have no desire whatsoever to ever be in the NFL. <laughs> uh, they would have to make me a pretty good offer, which I'm sure they could do uh, to get me away from the media side. But I'm doing what I love right now with the podcast, doing a radio show, being able to talk sports uh, kind of on my schedule and do things that I want. I, I love it. And I, the only like goals that I have would be to grow those two avenues of mic'd up and two guys and a girl on a podcast and just take it from there and see what it can grow into. You know, it seems like a long time ago now, podcasts weren't even really a thing. And it's like, oh, okay, here's a little hobby. And peek behind the curtain for you. Even when we were doing stick to football, it's like, okay, well, you guys can do it. It's fine. It's just going to be like a little hobby. It's going to be a pet project. Nobody's taking podcasts seriously. And it's grown so much since then that I think it's a career now that people can actually get into and you can introduce yourself and say, Oh, what do you do? I'm a podcaster. And there's significant amount of money that can be made there. And it it is a career, but I definitely understand why a lot of people would want to get into the NFL. It's just such a short lived job for most people if you're not good at it. But, uh, you know, I I would love for someday to get an email from you saying that you're going to offer me millions of dollars to be a part of your staff. Oh, I mean, absolutely. Uh, let me just. It's going to take a lot my, for me uh, to move to Cleveland, though. I'll tell you that. I'm going to need a lot of money. Hey, Cleveland's <laughs> Cleveland's a nice looking city. You have snow down in Missouri, don't you? You can deal. You can deal with uh, good old twenty degree weather, can't you? Uh, well, now we're all used to snow. I think the whole nation got hit with it. So yeah, I, I think I can deal with it. Cleveland's one of the cities that I need to get to. I have actually never been. So Are you coming I, for the draft? No. Uh, no, I'm not. Really? Yep. Because uh, that's that's the thing that I'm hoping to do is, I mean, with with the draft just being like a trip on public transportation away for uh, for me, yeah. uh, and uh, it's being run by some people that I have connections with, like, I want to have at least some role, whether or not it's handing the media their credentials and winking at them and being like, buy my draft guide, Mel Kuyper. <laughs> right. Um, or just being in Cleveland for for the draft weekend, like help uh, helping people around and show, showing them where the best bars are. Like I'm yeah. just kind of really excited that this is going. You to be are going to be I, responsible for doing that for Cleveland, like we are in Mobile. I feel like people all the time will be on Twitter being like, "Hey, I'm in Mobile. Where should I go?" You're going to be that guy for Cleveland this year. Absolutely. I, I will ha- I will happily do that. I guess I need to go on a giant bar run. I have due to COVID, I haven't been going out much. I've been trying to stay uh trying to stay right. safe. But man, I gotta I gotta go on a run here soon and start start ranking places. Yeah, you start working those backdoor deals like we talked about. You know, saying, Hey, you know, I'll I'll pump up your bar. I'll get some people in here for the NFL draft. Yeah, you take a little off my check tonight and we'll do that. Absolutely. You know if Matt's going to be down there, Cleveland? No. Uh, I don't know his draft plans, uh, honestly. I, I don't know if he's traveling or not this year. Yeah, I don't know. But like I said, the virus is still around, so it's it's affecting right. a lot. And, you know, I wonder how many people they're allowing. I haven't even looked into that. I know that, like, the NBA All-Star game, they had their All-Star game in Atlanta, and the NBA was still like, no, we're not having any events. Don't come here. I wonder what the NFL – will do i mean we're just uh what almost nearly two months away i haven't really heard anything about fans or events or anything like that yet yeah it's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be rough because all the cases and stuff has been going down we're getting our first couple states that are uh preparing to uh drop their um their precautions um and ohio said that they want to get down to 50 cases per 100,000 before they really open things up they've set kind of the goal date of um july for being when they want the indians to be to have a full full stadium capacity yeah and yeah i mean if, if there's one thing we've learned about the virus is that we really can't predict the virus it goes up when some people say it's going to go down and goes down when some people think it's going to go up Yep. It's, it's and I don't think a year ago any of us thought we would still be dealing with it. It's like, ah, this is going to be a couple months. It's fine. Or even when we started quarantine, it's like, ah, six weeks. It'll be fine. Now we're almost at a year, and we're still kind of dealing with this thing. Exactly. And it's like, what what the heck happened? Is 
And who knows? I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Maybe, maybe it mutates. Maybe we'll be here for longer. Maybe, I don't know. It, it's just one of those things you have to uh, have to deal with. So, um, let's. Uh, I, I got. We got two two places. Two places we wanted to go. Um, one, we can either talk about uh, our, some of your favorite prospects and go back and forth on prospects. But the other idea I had was on the last episode of Two Guys and a Girl, you were talking about the most excited college football players. But I was kind of thinking it would be fun to do that that exact same thing, but with the catch of you're only allowed to use Group of Five and FCS players, most exciting small school players. What do you What do you want to get time? to first? Uh, let's do the, yeah, let's do the most exciting players. All right. My first pick for most exciting small school player, Jordan Lynch, Northern Illinois quarterback. Yep. I remember him. That was a good one. Oh man. You put me on the spot here. Um, how about I go recently and go Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo? I like like, nobody talked about him, but he had a great season it was so overlooked because he's so small and obviously played at Buffalo. Mm-hmm. Here, uh, here's something crazy for you uh, to think about with Jordan Lynch. So in uh, in 20, 2012, he had 1,815 yards and 19 touchdowns running the ball. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah he was I remember back in the day. Those... Like 20 touchdowns rushing the ball in addition to like, you know, just a casual 3,000 yards passing the ball so it's like, yeah like these are like ncaa numbers he almost got three thousand yards passing and two thousand yards rushing in one season so i feel that he's got he's that one guy that i'm like he's very very high up there uh yeah i think he has to be too uh another guy is i think it's we're safe to put zach wilson there i think independence still count as group of fives I think as long as it's not, yeah, Notre Dame, it counts. Absolutely. Like, what he did from just an efficiency standpoint was just so incredibly exciting. Well, okay, I have I, mine, though. I got to interrupt you because I thought of my quarterback. It's Timmy Chang. You remember him from Hawaii? Yes, from Hawaii. The crazy just numbers that he would put up year after year. I mean, he so many passing yards that people actually thought, like, could this guy be – an NFL quarterback? Absolutely not. I mean, he was actually not that good of a quarterback, but he's throwing up so many uh, just records at Hawaii that people actually kind of thought he was going to be a thing. He's got to mm-hmm. be like an NCAA record holder still. Yeah, I believe. He's over be- 17,000 yards in college. Just like incredible type type numbers. Uh, like there's those small school air raid quarterbacks are like, always so uh so much fun it's like yeah i remember like the chase daniels and the graham harrells but yeah. like case keenum timmy chang um what is it did fresno state have somebody oh colt brennan remember colt brennan, yeah, colt after? brennan after timmy chang yep yeah yeah it's like there's just been so um so many of those air raid quarterbacks that are so much fun to watch uh, I have a little, uh, I have a little Homer pick. I'm a graduate of BGSU, Bowling Green State University, but Matt Johnson, what he was doing with Dino Baber's, uh, offense was just special. He got, um, almost 5,000 yards in 2015. We, uh, and he led an upset victory over Jordan Lynch in the Mac in like the Mac championship game. So what he was uh, capable of doing was just, uh, really special and if only he didn't blow out his hip like i feel he could have been really big in like the cfl he was like a proto like if, if he would have came out later than like 2015 he would have absolutely got drafted because he got dinged so bad for his height or how about way before him a guy like omar jacobs who was there when urban meyer was i, I remember yeah. watching him play as a i think he was like a sophomore when meyer was there uh, watching him tear it up and thinking at the time, like, this is going to be a dude. He's going to come out of Bowling Green. He's going to be really good. And then that next year, he, he wasn't as great. And I don't know if he ever even got drafted in the NFL. He was drafted in the fifth round by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah. Of course it was the Steelers. No, I mean, Big Ben's another guy that could probably go on our list. Mm-hmm. I think he was maybe a little before. but uh, Also, Case Keenum passed up Timmy Chang on the most passing yards in a career list. 
19,000 yeah, like, yards in his career. It's just stupid how much they would throw the football. Exactly. I loved watching it, though. I loved those Houston days. Mm-hmm. We could also go with the winningest quarterback in college football history, Kellen Moore. Yeah. You know why I hate Kellen Moore? Uh, is because he broke Colt McCoy's record. Colt McCoy had that record for a year, and then the very next year, uh, Kellen Moore beats it. Uh, so I still am a little bitter towards Kellen Moore. Oh, I, I, I feel you. I am was a Colt McCoy truther as a 14-year-old but back when he was with the Browns. So that was somebody that I very, very much really enjoyed and was just so sad when like James Harrison just clonked him and ended his entire career. Oh, for sure. Uh, even back in the day when he was at Texas, taking that hit from, I think it was Marcel Darius, uh, tearing up his shoulder. I am, I'm a truther as well. Even after he got hurt, it's like, I think he's going to get his shoulder right. But you know what? That dude's still in the league. I, I He came out of college, and it was guys like Sam Bradford and Tim Tebow. And Cole McCoy's the one that's still hanging around as a backup, making pretty damn good money. Exactly. And, like, people all – I feel that – too many people like kind of like dismiss like the thirty uh, something year old backup who's just been in the league forever who hasn't accomplished anything. Like uh, there was a report um, that our guy Chase Daniel was on the oh. trading block, and I was yeah. just saying seeing people like if my team trades even a seventh round pick for this guy I'm going to riot. Like, <laughs> but the thing is, is those guys are in the league because of all the stuff all the stuff they do off the field, all the stuff they do to help the coaches. And like, those are all the things that we do not see as amateurs. And it's like, yeah, Chase Daniel, especially like if you're a team that's about to draft a quarterback and you can bring in him to help mentor, like he's fully uh, like willing to do that. There are not a lot of quarterbacks who are willing to take on that role and be that mentor. And Chase Daniel is one of the best at it. I think, yeah, I mean, he was a Kansas city chief for a while, uh, obviously, I would live here in Missouri, so I'm very familiar with him back in his Mizzou days. So I, I have a special place in my heart for Chase Daniel. I think it it's great what he's doing, and I know a lot of people like to throw out how much money he makes, but, I mean, who would turn down that job to make that much money and to be the backup quarterback for any team? Exactly. Uh, exactly. And here's the other thing. If you had to win a game right now, who are you picking uh, Colt McCoy or Chase Daniel or Jamie Newman like J- uh, Jamie Newman is not as good of a quarterback as Chase Daniel right now none of the right. quarterbacks outside of the top five or six are better than what Chase Daniel is right now yeah he doesn't he isn't <laughs> going to have the physical tools but he would be a much better option to win with right now I think there's something to say about a guy that is just always ready to come into the game I think a lot of those guys get complacent, and it's like, yeah, I know I'm the backup, but I'm not really going to play. But you get those guys like the Chase Daniel, the Ryan Fitzpatrick, all these great backup quarterbacks who, at the drop of the hat, they're ready to get into the game, and you don't have to change your playbook for them or anything like that. So I, I if I, like I said, if I were drafting a, a young quarterback, I would definitely be trying to get a guy like Chase Daniel. Uh, def- like if I'm the New York Jets and I know I'm drafting a quarterback at two, I've got a lot of salary cap room. I would definitely try to bring in a guy like Chase Daniel and, and at least let him mentor a young quarterback for a minute. I mean, yeah. Well, how do you think Josh McCown has been in the league so long? Like, like uh, he's probably the goat backup quarterback. <laughs> right. Yep. So um, let's uh, move on to the uh, players that um players that you've watched and that uh, that you've liked. I'll start us off by uh, mentioning Zach Wilson. Uh, Zach Wilson has been shooting up boards uh, lately. Um, I gave him a grade of 6.9, uh, which means I feel that he's nice. going to start uh, start year one. Yes, very nice. But I don't really <laughs> feel that he's going to be like the unquestioned franchise quarterback from day one. Like, we saw when Joe Burrow was drafted, he was like the unquestioned starter day one. But when Tua right. was drafted, he had to like sit. He had to sit a little bit. He seems to like be like a Justin Herbert. Yeah, like a Justin Herbert or a Mitch Trubisky. You get, you're gonna need to. You're gonna probably want to sit him out for a uh, little bit until he becomes a starter. But yeah. uh, what I loved about him and what everybody loves about him is is his combination of arm strength and deep and deep ball accuracy. He hits those. 
those 30 yard go routes from the opposite hashes like they're like a screen pass it's just so easy for him but I've also kind of concerned about the fact that he had a torn labrum even before this year I mean part of me wants to say oh he had the torn labrum and had a great year shouldn't need to worry about it um ever again but I'd be very concerned about re-injuries and labrums like labrum is what destroyed Andrew Luck. Labrum is what made Jay Cutler retire. Labrum is what made, turned Colin Kaepernick in front to having one of the most exciting arms in the entire NFL into uh, to being struggling in 2016. Like, the shoulder injuries are tough, too, because, I mean, it's not just a wear and tear from throwing. Hey, if you take a bad hit or you land wrong, I mean, you're eventually you're going to get sacked in the NFL. If you fall on that shoulder wrong, you can re-tear everything, and you're almost done for. Exactly. So I'm a little concerned about that. And like that offensive line at BYU was so good. And mm-hmm. I'm just not really sold on how he's going to really play under pressure. I felt too often he was trying to like Johnny Manziel it and just running around the pocket. Yeah, he's more athletic than the group of five defensive linemen, but he's not going to get uh, be able to get away with doing that in the NFL. So I was actually a lot more concerned about like his playmaking and uh, play out of structure than what I feel a lot of the consensus is. Yeah, I, I have a lot of questions with him too, uh, but he just seems like a guy that could come back to bite you in the butt. If you question anything that he does, like I remember doing it with Patrick Mahomes and I, I definitely missed on him. I did not think he was going to be good. Because watching him at Texas Tech, it's like, okay, well, I see that throw. That's impressive. But you can't make that throw in the NFL. And I still see kind of some of that with Zach Wilson. Even when he played like Coastal Carolina, it's like, okay, that was a good throw. But an NFL DB is picking that off. But, I mean, he could definitely – he could prove it wrong. Just like a guy like Patrick Mahomes did or, you know, Kyler Murray. Some of these other mobile quarterbacks with a strong arm, he could definitely do that. Do you like Zach Wilson more than Trevor Lawrence or? Oh, or absolutely he, not. Uh, okay. <laughs> we had, um, so we gave uh, both Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence grades of uh, 7-0. Um, we gave Trevor Lawrence a 7-4. We, um, I mean, just watching him, it's like the easiest evaluation ever. He's got a strong arm. He's accurate. Like yep. He makes his short and easy throws, and then every once in a while he just turns on a switch and becomes Cam Newton and just starts four-sixing and running past right. Ohio State safeties. Like, I, any weakness you find in his game is practically a nitpick. Like, it, You're right, you almost have to go good. search for it. That's the way I had to with him. It's like, all right, I, I got to find something that he's bad at. What is it? And for me, it was like ball security. Like, oh, he had a couple fumbles when he got sacked. Maybe we put that as a question mark. I don't even know if you can call it a negative. It's just a, hey, here's an area that you might want to improve on. Or a little similar to Zach Wilson is he can trust his arm too much. It's like they they are like the negatives that are kind of positives. It's like, oh, he's so – his arm is so good that sometimes he threads a needle that isn't going to be there. Like It's It's like when you show up for a job interview and they say, all right, give us some negatives about yourself. And you're like, well, sometimes I show up too early for work. That's that's what you're doing with Trevor Lawrence. Yes, sometimes I work too hard (laughs) and it intimidates other people. Yep, and then uh, our Ohio State report was done by a Michigan um, a Michigan student, Ooh. and he loved him. So, and I did I did some cross checking on him. But <laughs> yeah. Once, like, how could you watch that Clemson game and not see an immediate NFL starting quarterback? He is the most accurate quarterback in the draft by like when you look at like accuracy measures and like mm-hmm. charting. He is, and that's just incredible. And then he has the athleticism, and kind of like Trevor Lawrence, I don't even know if we've even seen all of it. Like, he didn't really scramble or run that much. I never really felt I saw that, like, Johnny Manzelish or Lamar Jackson-esque kind of highlight reel runs. He was very reserved and very safe safe about it. Yep, I would agree with that. If he got eight rushing touchdowns his rookie year, if he put up – Josh Allen and type rushing yards or somewhere in between Josh Allen and Kyler Murray, I wouldn't be surprised. I think he's more than capable of that. So you have the trait of being accurate, which is the most important trait. 
And then you have the trait of being mobile and being able to move around and adding weapons with your legs. That's going, that's, that's everything you want is arm is arm strength. I mean, some people were like, Oh, he might have a Tua arm. And then I saw him just lob 55 yard passes to Chris Olave on a dart. And I'm like, yep. Nope. That is, that, that is an NFL starting QB arm. So yeah, I just kind of feel that we have kind of forgotten about Justin Fields and we kind of, I, I'm a big, I think he's still QB too. I would definitely rather have Fields over, over Wilson. I think Fields has the much higher floor. I think like, I mean, the only knock on him was like, oh, he's in the Ohio state offense. Well, it's not his fault. He's in the Ohio state offense. Like that's (laughs) using him. Yeah. You can only do what the coaches tell you to. Yeah, exactly. I like Fields a lot, too. I think anytime you say you like Trevor Lawrence or Zach Wilson, people immediately think, like, oh, well, you don't like Justin Fields. And even for me, I come in a little bit low on Fields where I have him at QB4. But that doesn't mean I don't like him. I just like this quarterback class. I like Trey Lance. I like Justin Fields. I like Zach Wilson. I think that there's a really there's still a very good possibility. We see, you know, three, four quarterbacks taken in the top five. Mm-hmm. Now, when you value quarterbacks, you value do you value upside a lot more than you value floor? Uh, no, I wouldn't say that I do. I, hmm. I I value floor a lot. I just feel like so many of these guys are throwing so early that you kind of you have a pretty good idea of who they are. But at the same time, like a guy like Zach Wilson, who's kind of come out of nowhere, essentially, I, I think there is a lot of upside there. It I you know I say that, but every situation is different. I think there are a lot of teams where you could look back and you could say, you know, we're going to sit him for a year. That's okay. And that would be a huge upside guy with a guy like, you know, Wilson or maybe even Justin Fields. But every once in a while, when you get these guys like Trevor Lawrence, I think the floor for Trevor Lawrence is just so high that at, at minimum, you're getting a career starter, a guy who's going to be really damn good in the league for his entire career. Whereas a guy like a Zach Wilson, it, just to use him as a name, I'm not saying this is a prediction, but he might not ever be a, a high quality starting quarterback. I, you know, guys like Sam Darnold, the Jets thought they had their quarterback of the future. They thought they changed their franchise when they had Sam Darnold. Now they're trying to trade him. But on the other hand, you know, Josh Rosen was a high floor guy. So, like, yeah, he's smart. He can get the job done for a little while. He barely stuck around at all in the NFL. I guess he's still kind of kicking the tires with the Niners. Yeah. Josh Josh Rosen was a I believe he was a character case. He I, got he he got rattled early and lost his confidence and never recovered. Yeah, and you know when he was coming out of UCLA too, a lot of people questioned how much he really even wanted to play in the NFL. Yeah. So I wonder how much of that goes into it as well. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm a big one of my uh, big scouting things and something I all I always tell anybody who wants to listen is how important it is to scout the players for on the board between like 150 and 400. Because if you get a job in the NFL and you're a scout, they're, they're, they're going to be picking in the first couple rounds, like the GMs and the coaches. Like if you're a scout and you're not really going to have that much real say in who goes in like the first round. And it's a lot easier to scout in the first round. It's very easy to watch uh jok or um gregory rousseau or caleb barley and be like that's really good but being able to tell the differences between your watt failures your trey um trey walkers and your dax mills that's what's going to uh, end up getting you um promotions and end up getting you or those are like the big wins that you need to go out after and get so who is a guy that is say outside of most people's top 200 that you really like and that you would pound the table on, uh, pound the table for if you were in a draft uh, draft war room. A guy outside, I don't know if he if this guy qualifies, but Armani Rogers at Clemson is a player that I really like. But I he's going to put on such a show. I think he maybe already did with like his performance at their pro day that I think his name is going to really just skyrocket up. I still really like the Ohio state linebackers, both tough Borland and Pete Warner. I I think that they could be players in the league for a while that are drafted low, but they're going to have like a 10 year career. Uh, 
Yeah. So I did the report on Borland, and I'm just really concerned about what he's going to be like in past uh, past coverage. Oh, it's going to be bad is what it's going to be like. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that he's going to have to be like you're just situational. You're going to play him on first and second down or you know, a run situation. But those are like depth piece linebackers that you still need in the NFL. But, yeah, I mean, you're definitely you're drafting him low. That's for sure. Mm hmm. Yeah, with, t- with Tough Borland, I think he might have some of the best block shedding and uh, run ability in the class. Oh, he and, doesn't care who's in front of him. He's going to take on the block and shuck it. Exactly, and that's so valuable. But, like, he got taken off the field on third down in college. Like, that's <laughs> right. just such a red flag. We gave I gave him a grade of, like, 5-7, which for us is, like, might get drafted. Like, draftable, but not necessarily he's going to get drafted. You know, in like was, 1995, he was probably a first-round uh, linebacker, though. Oh, like, People would have loved him. <laughs> exactly. Like uh, I, a 2006 first-rounder. He, he'd be James Laronitis <laughs> or Ray Maluga. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yep. So some of the guys that I really enjoyed watching that were kind of the uh, uh, smaller back end, uh, back end of the uh, board is I really liked watching Jaquan Hardy out of Tiffin. Have you heard, have you heard the name before? I haven't, I've heard the name. I haven't watched him yet though. Yeah. So he came into, I believe CGS at um, five, eight and three eights. So like five, eight and a half, 212 pounds. So you have NFL ready size and when you watch small school players, I expect you to dominate. And oh boy, did he dominate! You, I was looking for Marshawn Lynch esque runs, and I got Marshawn Lynch esque runs. Mm-hmm. So when I see that you have the size, that you have the speed, and you have the contact balance to absolutely decimate your level of competition, that's really, I think, like a really good start and something that you uh, you should consider. So I gave him an NFL-ready grade for contact balance and play speed for a running back. But obviously, if you were to make the jump to the NFL, he won't be able to do like the thing where like running around the backfield and juking people out and bouncing plays outside, which he liked to do, that he was able to do in D2 that it wouldn't get away with in the NFL. And he did nothing in the passing game, which kind of stunk. But he's a guy I really hope will get drafted. Yeah, I think there's probably a good chance. I don't, there, there's still, it's coming up so quick, but it's still so far away that everybody's board is going to change drastically. And especially with you trying to get a, nearly like 400 people on your board, I'm just trying to get like a solid 50 to 100. I feel like if I can get those ranked appropriately, I'd be pretty happy with that. Oh, absolutely. And uh, you can always cross-check your work with our guides if you have any questions. Let me know. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to steal it and throw my name on it. How about that? Uh, can, you at least, uh, can you at least Venmo <laughs> me some cash if you do that? You know? There we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I could, I, could, I could get you some Taco Bell next time we see it at Mobile, but, like, we got we, we to we make deals. We got to make deals for this. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there any other player you want to talk about or any more points you want to make? Uh, I think that pretty much does it for me, man. All right. Well, uh, it was great, great having you, Mello. Uh, loved, loved talking with you about uh, your background, the players, the process. Uh, do you have anything that you want to promote your podcast, your Twitter, anything of that nature? Yeah, we have a podcast that comes out twice a week called Two Guys, a Girl on a Podcast, where we do uh, we touch on the draft a little bit, uh, but it's also just a lot of random randomness, what's going on in the world of sports. Uh, and then I also have our, my radio show, Miked Up. It's from 2 to 4 Central every day, but you can stream it. I, I think the easiest way is to go to the Simple Radio app if you don't have it. It's a free one. And then go to the search and just type in WMBH. And it'll show up. And we have a lot of really good content there. Uh, it may be a little reverse of what we should do, but we really dive into a lot of draft talk on radio as well. So people can always catch my content in those two places. All right. That sounds good. Well, thank, thank you very much, Mallow. Have a great rest of your night. And you too, listeners. I hope you have a great night as well. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>